Your Locked On Canadiens, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 295 of Locked On Canadians. This is part two of a two-part episode with our special guest, Julian McKenzie. If you've listened to the show before, you'll know he's one of our favorite people. And we're so excited to talk a little bit about the Habs and what we expect this season from them. My name is Laura Sab, also known as the Active Stick. Scott is from Habs Eyes on the Prize. Scott, how are you doing at this particular second as we record this episode? I, I'm doing quite well. Just to kind of give people an idea, we recorded our uh, Monday night episode for Tuesday and we're recording our Tuesday episode now. Uh, with Julian here. It's great. You're not, you're going to want to listen to both of these episodes in one way, shape, or form because they're going to be can't miss content. Speaking of can't miss content, the Canadians have been so exciting in the early going. They've played six games now. They've only got 50 to go and they finally have their home opener that's coming in two days time and we'll have the preview for that tomorrow or is that it's actually tomorrow in <laughs> two days time. This episode is dropping on Wednesday, so tomorrow will be the the preview for that. So, Julian, first, welcome to the second episode of our two-part episode with you. Hey, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the Montreal Canadiens game tomorrow. We talked about Victor Mete on yesterday's episode, and we're recording this immediately afterwards. That gives Mark Bergevin like 48-hour window with which to ruin our lives, I think. Um, oh, but... don't get me started on that. Don't get me. <laughs> Sorry, last week's episode of Hockey Inside Out, we did, uh, we dropped an episode, uh, we dropped our episodes Thursday. We talked all about the, uh, how the Canadians shut down the Edmonton Oilers, and, uh, we talked nothing about the Vancouver Canucks games. Uh, hopefully we'll do that this week, but, uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, not a lot of people are happy, so I know the feeling. And Mark Bergevin does like to ruin our lives a little bit, but, we're not here to talk about him as much as we are to talk about what he's done over the off season. We did have you on during the off season. We did talk a little bit about what the Canadians, uh, a bunch of the changes the Canadians made and the ambitions that they had with them. And obviously it is a small sample size. We do have to keep pinching ourselves because we didn't expect it to go so well so quickly, but at the same time, they've only played three teams and I think only one of them, Toronto was really representative of a challenge in the North Division. Uh, I, I want to ask you real quick, because we touched on so many different things. The one thing that we didn't mention was Corey Perry, like because the last time we had you on, it was well before the, the Froelich and Perry signings. Uh, he's only had one game so far. But from our perspective, given the limited amounts he's expected to play, and he, he will be called upon, I think, for depth reasons, obviously, uh, in the case of an injury or if, or if a guy's tired and needs some time. I think, like, his first game was just, it, it was overwhelmingly positive in that it showed that even though his minutes and, and games have to be managed very carefully, he still has something to bring to the team. Yeah. Uh, this is a guy who, he looked pretty fine. He looked pretty fine when he played over the weekend. 
And I mean, the fact that he was able to score that goal, like that, he was really slick with some of the moves he was able to pull on. This was, remember, this was a guy with the Montreal Canadiens side in the off season. They put him on waivers, and for whatever reason, I don't know if if Corey Perry was was going to pull Jason Spezza and be like, oh, I'm not going to, you know, go to any other team that doesn't claim me or what, or that claims me or whatever. Then again, I'm not, gonna, I shouldn't put words in Jason Spezza's mouth. He didn't outright say that, but it was believed that that's what he would do. But all that to say, this guy was was just sitting there for all these games on the taxi squad. The first game they put him in, he looks like he should be playing, not every game, but he just did not lose a step and fall and fell in line with everyone else in the lineup. He's a good signing, and I really felt that the Canadians did a great job when they signed Corey Perry to that deal. It's fair to assume that he's not going to play every game. Clearly, he won't, considering how they, they, they deployed him so far, but... I think once this Canadians team makes the playoffs, because they're going to make the playoffs. I said they were going to be a playoff team beforehand, and seeing what I've seen in the first few games, uh, this is a playoff team to me. Corey Perry, I think, will really be worth his weight in gold when it comes time for those serious games in the playoffs where everything gets a bit more physical and you need those playoff veterans to kind of pull you through. But for now, getting him in and out of the lineup, uh, he's looked good so far. He seems to understand the role that he's in. And I can ima- I can only imagine that he's been a positive in that locker room as well. So uh, for a guy like Corey Perry, I, I, I'm not completely surprised that he's done as well as he has, at least in the one game that we've seen so far. And uh, it's on him to keep that going for future games. And I think that that's kind of the advantage of getting a guy like Corey Perry. He's already won a Stanley Cup. He's gone to multiple Olympics. He's got gold medals. And so for him, this is really just, I want to have a good time, you know, like before, before I hang up uh, the skates or whatever, I really want to have fun. And that gives the Canadians a lot of options and flexibility because if somebody's underperforming, you can just throw Corey Perry in there. If somebody's injured, you can throw Corey Perry in there, but he's not going to be pouting. He's not going to be demanding ice time. Like he's clearly understanding his role and he's here. Like, and when I say have fun, I, I, I mean, like he's there to do a job, right? But he's able to do it without the pressures of trying to win another contract, without the pressures of trying to establish a career, without the pressures of trying to like fit into a team or a lineup or whatever. He's just kind of there and he's like, I know what I have to do. I'm going to do it for however long they need me. And and as far as the Canadians go, I'm going to enjoy the ride. And I think that, you know, that's a luxury that a lot of teams did not get this offseason. I was just say I kind of look at this because I was talking with other people about this is, Looking at the way the Canadians are and the way that they put this team together, getting someone like Corey Perry is a big change for this team because he wanted to sign here at league minimum or almost league minimum, knowing that his role was going to be a depth player at best. And he's like, I want to do this and win, which tells you that the culture around this team is they want to win. This is not a, well, we hope we win. This is a, we want and know that we're going for it kind of thing. And getting players like Froelich and Perry is just another step forward with that. It's, we talked about Toffoli in the last episode and how good his deal was. Look at what Mark Bergen was able to do in this offseason. That's what GMs of good teams were doing. That team finished 24th, but through the playoffs and through their drafting, they turned this team around pretty quickly, it would seem. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. Just the fact that this team got to the playoffs the way that they did. And this is a team that, I say this all the time, but they had two eight-game winless streaks. And this is a team that probably should have been going for Alexi Lafreniere. And now, because of the fact that they went to the playoffs and they 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 had that experience that they had and they got to see Carey Price 
play as well as he did. They got to see Jesperi Kakanyemi and Nick Suzuki play as well as they did. And another thing that not as many people are talking about, Jonathan Drouin. Jonathan Drouin has gone through this offseason. I can't think of another offseason where people weren't nearly as vocal of their displeasure of him as <laughs> like, like that's it like it was quiet it was quiet i mean i know now that when he's made a mistake people are very quick to get at him but everyone focused on all the free agent acquisitions and the trades that were going on and not as many people were going to focus on him but that's a guy who started his chemistry with nick suzuki that started in the bubble and now look at him he's been able to put up points he's been arguably one of the best bene- beneficiaries of this team and, and i'm going to go on record now i know i've said it on the yahoo sports hockey podcast and i know i'm showing my age a little bit here i'm willing to say this is the best Montreal Canadiens team I've ever seen. Like not, and I and I get it. I'm I'm young. Like I'm I'm not, I was not alive when the last time the Montreal Canadiens won a Stanley Cup. I understand there were teams that have gone to the conference final. This is the best Montreal Canadiens team I have seen for as long as I've been watching games and, and following the team. And here's the number one reason why: if Carey Price, God forbid, knock on wood, right now, if Carey Price gets hurt, the season doesn't end. How many of those? Think about it, Scott and Laura. Think about it. How many Montreal Canadiens teams have you guys seen in the past where you're looking at them and, yeah, they're getting wins, but you're thinking, man, these guys rely on Carey Price so much. If Carey Price goes down, we literally saw it during the 2015-2016 season. Carey Price goes down after a really good start to the year. Everything goes to hell. Knock on wood, if Carey Price goes down, they have to rely on Jake Allen. Jake Allen might just be subpar, but they have guys in front of them. They have have – Guys in front of them who can score goals. That's what they've needed for years. They have a good team in front of them. They have forwards. They have defense. They have goaltending. I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup. They have a team that has everything in this division. I think they're going to do well. And I think because of that, that's the best team I've seen. of the. It's the best iteration of the Montreal Canadiens I've seen for as long as I've been watching the team. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in our next segment. But first, I want to remind you guys about Built Bar. The protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You know we love it. If you've listened to any of our shows in the last year, you'll know we love Built Bar so much because it tastes amazing. It doesn't have that whey protein taste. It doesn't have that grainy texture that some of the 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 protein bars have. It is delicious. It's made with real chocolate. It's low in sugar, low in calorie, high in protein. It's got delicious flavors like lemon almond cheesecake, caramel brownies, one of my favorites. Uh, I like coconut almond, but if you don't, that's fine because they have toffee almond. They've got, they've got chocolate mint brownie. Scott likes the German chocolate cake. Anyway, you can try one of their 18 flavors. They have nut and nut free options. And you can do that by going to builtbar.com. Entering the promo code locked on and getting 20% off your next order. That's builtbar.com, promo code locked on for 20% off your next order. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. So one of the things that I've been kind of bitter about uh, throughout this offseason and even in the playoffs, I think, and I might have even started in the last season, because as we as we alluded to, and I know we said that we weren't going to talk about the eight game losing streaks anymore, but now I like I see it as a point of pride that during those eight game losing streaks, their underlying numbers were really good. They were either let down by goaltending or 
they weren't able to score. And so what was happening was that they just, they couldn't make it happen, even though they had the system in place to do it. And the Canadians made a lot of progress in the playoffs, I would say. And I would also say, like, they made noise. Like, people didn't really expect anything out of them. And no matter what you think of the way that they made the playoffs, I think that when they got there, they really sort of made their case that they belonged there to begin with. And then on the offseason as well, like they, like Mark Bergevin did so much work. He looked at everything that he could possibly do to improve this team. And then he went out and did it in whatever way he could. They needed scoring. They, they knew they probably weren't going to get Taylor Hall. So they decided to do what, what they ended up doing, which is get guys like Tyler to fully trade for Josh Anderson, give him a contract, things like that. But at the same time, at the beginning, like before, before the season actually started, I, I made the rounds on so many podcasts and like, you know, talked to people. And every time I said the Canadians were probably going to come second or third in the division, they were definitely going to make the playoffs. They were definitely going to win a round. Everybody laughed at me. And I was just like, are we crazy? Like, are we in Montreal? You know, the fans that watch this team and the media that covers it night in and night out, we can't all be crazy. Like, we can be homers for sure, but we can't all be crazy. Like, crazy to be, like, laughed at when I say that they're going to be one of the top four out of seven teams in the North Division. And so I'm so glad, Julian, you're talking about how this is the best team that you've seen. I personally, I've seen some exciting and fun teams. I'm a little bit older than you are. Um... But I also think that, like, you know, since I've been understanding and covering the underlying numbers and all of that stuff that goes into constructing a good hockey team, I don't think it's way off base to say the Canadians are a good team. Like, I didn't think that that was so outlandish. Like, like I, I saw somebody that said, like, the narratives around Montreal are insane this year. And I was like, it's not insane to think that this team is going to make the playoffs. It wasn't insane even before we knew that the team was going to be in the Canadian division because of the fact that they added all those players they did up front. And we knew for years that this is what this team needed to do. They, they bolstered their defense. I know a lot of people were a little bit, a little bit concerned about getting a guy like Joel Edmondson into the lineup and people were still wondering what a guy like Alexander Romanov would do on the defense. But now that we've seen it through a few games, We've seen that it's, it's been, it's been pretty good. And I know, and like, I know some people are going to look at Toronto and be like, oh, well, they lost that game. And Carey Price didn't necessarily play all that well or he allowed all those goals. They kept up with that offense. They went to overtime. And as far as I'm concerned, the reason why they lost that overtime was because their guys were tired. It was the first game of the season. And also those penalties, those penalties they took in the second period, if they don't take those penalties, I'm not so sure they give up that lead. That's probably the biggest flaw with this Montreal Canadiens team right now. It's that they're, they're so aggressive in how they play. They take too many unnecessary penalties. I don't know. It's, it's just a bit of a, it's, it's a bit of a weird thing to, to see them lead the league in minor penalties taken. But at the end of the day, like that comes from the aggressive style of play that they have. And it's really interesting that you say you went on podcasts. And you heard that people were like, you felt that people were like laughing at you for, for thinking the Montreal Kings would make the playoffs. I had the awesome time of, of filling in on Malik in the afternoon on TSN 690, uh, in Montreal during the Christmas break. And some of the regular guests that we had, uh, Gord Miller, Ray Ferraro, Aaron Ward, uh, Pierre Maguire, of course, at some point when we were having, when we were like, we were talking to those guys, they always had something good to say 
about the way the Montreal Canadiens were built. Or they were talking about Cole Caulfield. But for the most part, they were talking about how good this Montreal Canadiens team was going to be. And I was, I've, I've thought about that. And I, and I even thought about uh, hearing comments from, from Stu Cowan and, and Jessica Rusnak on, on the Hockey Inside Out show. I had never heard this much positivity around this Montreal Canadiens team and how they're built and how they're constructed. Maybe ever. So those people who thought the Montreal Canadiens were not to be taken seriously, I'm not so sure about them personally. I'm not going to go out there and question their credibility, but I'm just really curious about those teams that they thought were going to make the playoffs. Like I saw a lot of people who put Edmonton in the playoffs and like, have we seen their goaltending situation? They're dealing with Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith is not going to be playing for a while. No shade to Miko Koskinen, but I could think of five goalies in the in the North Division, including Matt Murray, who are better than Miko Koskinen. And I'm sorry, but I think to to make the playoffs in in any sport, but I think to make the playoffs you need goaltending. Uh, but again, I'll say the Montreal Canadiens at least. Jake Allen has, has in the two starts he's had, he's he's done well, and they can at least score goals. You need some form of goaltending to take you into the playoffs here. Uh, and the Montreal Canadiens have that in spades, of course, but I think teams like Edmonton don't necessarily have that. A team like Vancouver, they're showing, uh, that their defense is, is, is crumbling a little bit. And Elias Patterson, I'm not sure what's going on with him, but I, I, I know he's had a slow start to the year. Hopefully he picks that up. Uh, Ottawa is just sitting back chilling. They don't need to make the playoffs this year necessarily. It's fine. So I don't know. I'm surprised a lot of people were so down. On the Montreal Canadiens. I was talking to, to, a, to a sports analyst who was saying like, hey, uh, outside of Montreal, there are not a lot of people who are putting the Montreal Canadiens in the playoffs. Well, I'm sorry, but a lot of those people ended up being wrong. This team is a playoff team. Yeah, we look at this team as that, yeah, there were question marks and like maybe some people didn't like some signings, but to question whether or not the Canadians themselves got better is is ridiculous to me is that they everyone's like well they need a they need another goalie behind Carey Price and they went out and did that and everyone oh they're spending 15 million dollars on goalies oh no it's like it's not your money shut up then they <laughs> need Dr. A, Evil <laughs> yeah it's something I don't know what that voice was but it's like one oh, they, million dollars <laughs> exactly they needed a bigger body because the Habs are too small and get bullied around. They went out and got Josh Anderson and went, er, but he only scored one girl last year. Oh, no. And it's like, shut up. It's not your team. We'll deal with it. Then they went out and signed Tyler Toffoli. They added Joel Edmondson for some side. Alexander Romanov came over. They did all these things, and everyone went, well, I don't really know. I don't think they got any better. It's like, are you just willfully stupid, or are you an idiot? Like... You can't look at this team and be like, they didn't get better. This is a team that took the Flyers to the brink, and if not for an injury to Brendan Gallagher and, you know, Carter Hart finally figuring out how to stop a hockey puck with his body, the Canadians probably would have beat the Flyers. They beat the Penguins and sent Pittsburgh into a shame spiral that caused them to sign Cody Cece. Like, this is a good team that is finally getting the bounces that they've been missing the last few years. And even if they regress a little bit, their regression is still that they're good. They're not going to score five goals, but they might score three or four every single game instead. Like, I I can't get over people just thinking that this team isn't was not a playoff team going into this season. I just need to add this. Uh, one big reason why they're getting that benefit of the doubt now and why they're really succeeding, it has to be said. It's the pieces that Mark Bergevin added. With the pieces that they had before, 
They were marginal at best. I think they had a good style of play going for them. They just did not have the right pieces. But now Mark Bergevin, because of the fact he went out and he got Josh Anderson, because of the fact that he got Tyler Toffoli, he got a reliable backup in Jake Allen to back up Carey Price. Uh, and 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 he was willing to trust some of the younger players and guys like Romanov and Jake Evans, who Scott and I, we've both obviously watched enough Laval Rocket games to see how good he's been. And now he's fitting in just fine on that fourth line. And also guys like Arturi Lekkanen, who w- would jump up in the middle of the lineup. Now he's in a natural spot on the fourth line. It's a combination of new players, uh, some of the older guys who were here already, playing in ro- in roles that are a bit more suited to them. And that I think those two those two ideas are, are a big reason why the Montreal Canadiens are seeing some early success. And I, I don't think it's controversial to say that they could be seeing more success later on. Speaking of more success later on, I think in our next segment, what we should touch on is what the Canadians need to do now that they've come out of the gate really well. It's obviously only been six games and they do have, you know, 50 games to go plus potential playoffs. So let's talk a little bit on the other side about what the Canadians need to do in order to be successful over the entire season. But first, let me remind you guys that Super Bowl is coming up and none of the, like, so none of the teams that made it were the teams that I wanted to, wanted to make it in. And it's a good thing that I didn't bet then, but I am going to bet now because there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Remember, the Super Bowl is coming up, but not only that, the NHL season has started. It's well underway. The NBA is in full swing. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action and don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick-hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers. Subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we've established that in the early going, the Canadians have made some noise. They've made people take notice. They did a lot of work this offseason to be good. So, Julian, in your mind, because I think what we kind of now have an idea of how the teams are going to go, barring any trades or major injuries, uh, and what the challenges the Canadians can expect are going to be, what do you think, in your mind, what do they need to do to continue to have success? Like, for me, success would be making the playoffs and winning at least one round. How do you define success, and what do you think they need to do, do to get there? That's a really good question, actually. That's a really interesting question. Um, I'm also just curious with if, if the Canadians continue to play as well as they've been, which is to uh, have three or four lines that continue to apply pressure on their opponents, uh, swarm them, uh, be aggressive for chasing loose pucks and just being on players, using their physical presence to get the better of smaller players or even players at their same size, and also just going to the net and and using their skill to, to get chances on net. If they continue to play at the style that they've been at, this is a team that could probably, that could, in theory, if not win the division, at least be neck and neck, possibly with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I still think the Toronto Maple Leafs might end up still winning this division. Um, and in that case, the expectations would, would go up. I think it's fair to say that 
I think for this team going into the year, making the playoffs was was the expectation. Uh, but if this is a team that does really well throughout the regular season and then they lose their first round series to whoever they play, uh, I think making the playoffs while that goal will be accomplished, uh, it might be a bittersweet feeling considering how good they might have played during the regular season. So I feel like in terms of defining success, I think it depends on how well this team plays. Uh, in terms of them just looking to continue to play, I, uh, to, to, to continue to see success in the regular season, it, it goes off of, of the system that they're playing. Like I, I think with the guys that they've, that they've had doing well so far, it's almost as if they've had different players do well almost every night. It's not a situation where, uh, Josh Anderson's played well in every single game that he's played and he's carrying the team and putting the team on his back. Nick Suzuki has not had to have that. Uh, Tyler Toffoli, we were talking about him and, and, and this is a guy who, who scored all those goals against Vancouver. And while we did praise him in those first two games of, of the season, that's also a guy who, you know, he scored his goals when he scored his goals, right? That you don't need him to score every single game. It's just a matter of making sure that your depth is, is playing well. And there's going to be off nights for sure for some of these guys. But, uh, I think as long as they don't have too many of those, that's what's going to lead them to the playoffs and, and, and possibly beyond. That's my big thing though. If once they make the playoffs and once they start getting to a point where if they, if they get to a point where they start playing against teams that are not in their division, that's when we're really going to see how well these Montreal Canadiens play. Yeah. The, the Canadians, like we talk, and we haven't really touched on it so much in this episode. Like the offense is so balanced that they can rely on Philip Deneau to, you know, handle some of the tougher assignments, but still drive play, put Suzuki out there when they need goals, put Kakaniemi out there for whatever they feel like. They were rolling all four lines against the Vancouver Canucks and just dummying them on the ice. Like Jake Evans was out there against top competition. In, against Edmonton too, like that was Connor McDavid on the other side of the ice, and Claude Julian felt confident enough to go, uh, Jake, Arturi, and Paul, uh, get out there, go do a thing, you know, and they did. And then we look at this defense that well, you have Weber and Sherratt, and you have Petrie and Edmondson, and you have Romanov and Kulak, and then we talked about Victor Mete in the previous show that he hasn't even been in yet. The Canadians' ability that they can kind of spread this pressure across their lineup so it's not one line having to be atlas holding everything up it, it it makes them so much better we talked earlier about how when Carey price went down the season just kind of went in the toilet we're not mm-hmm. worried about brendan gallagher being injured or philip deneau being injured because there's obvious ready-made replacements that can handle it now and they can fill in for those replacements too the team across the board now has this nice balance of if one thing goes wrong, all the wheels aren't going to fall off. It might not be as strong, but it's still good enough to get the job done for the time being. And so I think one thing that we do need to mention, because we haven't really talked about it before, and we're not going to say injuries because it's the easiest thing. What do you think is going to be the Canadians' biggest challenge going forward? For me, I personally think it's going to be, believe it or not, the Sens, because they have a lot of games against the Sens, and the Sens are the kind of team... They're going to be grinding, and they might injure players, and they're going to be really tough to play against. And they're one of those teams that, like, eventually you kind of get sick of them, and they find a way to get around you and score. So for me, I think their challenge is going to be teams like that. And also the penalty kill, as we saw against Edmonton and Vancouver. Uh, they need to stay out of the box. We really need them to stay out of the box, not because their penalty kill is ab- abysmal like it was last year, but because they're not able to establish their five-on-five rhythm, which is their strength. So what do you guys think is going to be the biggest challenge for this team for the rest of the season, the regular season? 
I actually think you make a really good point with the Ottawa Senators, and I'll add this. They have nothing to lose. Um, every other team in the North Division has aspirations to make the playoffs. Edmonton has aspirations to make the playoffs. Vancouver does. Toronto does. Montreal does. Calgary does. Um, Winnipeg does as well. The Ottawa Senators, with how they've been constructed, I know they got the veterans that they got, they're still in a sense, kind of looking towards the future and, and getting, making sure that all those guys are on their team, uh, are, are able to elevate themselves to the next level. So with guys like Brady Kachuk and, 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 uh, Tim Stutzla leading the way, I don't think the expectations are so high for them. So it must be a bit freeing for those guys knowing that, I mean, obviously you want to go out and win as many games as you can, but, I don't think DJ Smith, the head coach of the Ottawa Senators, is under immense pressure compared to to some of his other compatriots coaching in this in this division, and some of the other players might feel that same way. So all that to say, those games against the Ottawa Senators for the Montreal Canadiens, it could be a situation where, you know, teams that are just kind of loose and, and they they can kind of just be like, you know what, we're we're just going in to win just to play. Uh, that could also be a dangerous thing for them to expect. I think I think it's just going up against teams that uh, are are going to meet up with them and and also just kind of punch them in the mouth to start because I think a lot of teams to start are for the Montreal Canadiens they've they've done a great job of of scoring and and getting the leg up on teams. Uh, that's something they'll have to think of. But I think uh, going forward, at least the biggest problem, and I mentioned this before, the biggest problem is the fact that they're getting called. Uh, for too many minor penalties. And I think it's at a point now, at least I can point to, I can point to at least one game, possibly two, where taking, actually no, yeah, two games, two games where taking penalties, uh, has contributed badly to the Montreal Canadiens. Both of those ended up in losses. They, they lost that game to the Toronto Maple Leafs because, well, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say because, but one big reason why is because of the fact that they took so many penalties. And I know people might be like, oh, the refs are out to get the Montreal Canadiens. I don't – I mean, I'm not going to subscribe to that theory. That's 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 a bunch of bunk. I just think the Montreal Canadiens are very aggressive on their forecheck and backcheck, and it results in some pushing and grabbing and, and some slashing at times too, and the referees are going to call it like how they see it. Uh, it doesn't mean every call they've made is right necessarily, but if you're going to be that aggressive, you're going to get called. So once that happens, that opens up the Montreal Canadiens to taking penalties. What ends up being the case, though, uh, is that their penalty kill at different points, uh, they just need to adjust and they need to do better. They did that against the Vancouver Canucks, though. The first two games, they kept letting Bo Horvat score from that same shot in the slot. Uh, in that third game, they did not give him that same amount of space. They they, they kind of let Brock Besser, who was a bit more in front of the net, kind of do his thing a bit more on an island. And, and Brock Besser uh, – sorry, not Brock Besser, but Bo Horvat – uh, who was a little bit more in front of him, uh, they kind of had like two or three guys just kind of swarming around him to make sure that he wouldn't get that shot. This penalty kill can adjust itself to be better, and they have ways to go. I think that's the one facet of their game that could stand to see the most improvement. So I think that's the biggest challenge for them going forward right now. I, I think keeping consistency is the biggest thing, is that we've seen them get off to a hot start, and they're shooting a little bit above average, and I think – like Julian said, do they need to tighten up on some things on the penalty kill and just some things defensively? But across the board, I'm not seeing them play much different than last year where they're just powering shots through and overwhelming teams in that way. They need to stick to that style of play and don't try to change and be something that they're not. They're the Canadians. They always pile up shots and chances, and now they're getting the finish on that. Don't 
deviate from that game plan is the biggest thing. Even with injuries or their slumps, you know, no trust your players to get through that and just keep this same style of offense going because it's clearly working for them. I think that that's something that is we're going to have to watch for it over the course of the season. And Julian, I'm going to ask you once again, as we do every time we end a show, will you promise to come back? <laughs> yes, I promise to come back. I, I'll come back every other episode you want me on. Just, just, just hit me up. Just, just, I, uh, I have all the time in the world for the Locked On podcast, especially with you two lovely people. Uh, you know, uh, you guys have a great show. You guys are great hosts. You guys know your your stuff about hockey, specifically with the Montreal Canadiens. So, uh, yeah, man, let me know. Let me know when you want me back on the show, and uh, I'll be back on. Thank you so much, and tell the good people where they can find you if they don't already follow you, which is like, why wouldn't they? Oh, yeah, right. All that stuff. Uh, <laughs> JK McKenzie on Twitter. Um, uh, I sometimes contribute to the uh, Yahoo Sports uh, NHL coverage, so you check out my work there, as well as the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast hosted by Justin Cuthbert. You can check me out on HockeyInsideOut.com as well. Uh, you know, that's the uh, Habs vertical uh, set up by the Montreal Gazette. I host the weekly YouTube show. I have the live blog, and I also provide the About Last Night column. Also, um, if you are into uh, top ten lists and um, stuff from Watch Mojo, their YouTube channel, uh, I have a podcast with them called the Water Boys Podcast. And if you're into sports-related top tens, I voiced uh, their latest sports top ten, top ten funny NFL fails, so uh, be sure to check that out. Very, very busy man, Julian. I complain about being busy myself, but I don't think I come anywhere close to you. Thank you so much for your time. And if you guys want to follow him on Twitter, like he said, it's JKA McKenzie. If you'd like to follow Scott, it is Scott Matla. If you'd like to follow me, I am at The Active Stick. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. Email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. We will be back tomorrow with a preview for the Canadians home opener. Thank you so much for listening.